Morton Lordson. Hi there. This is uh, John Pittman at All Classical Portland. Oh, my hometown. I'm so glad you're calling. It'll be great talking to you. It's great to be able to talk with you today, too, Morton, about uh, about your music, which is covered on this new CD from Deutsche Grammophon. It covers quite a, a long range of your your output from the Madrigali of the late 80s, up to some very recent pieces. It's a great collection to see. Thank you. I'm very proud of this album, and also the album I just did with your outstanding Oregon repertory singers under the baton of Ethan Sperry in, in Oregon. Yes. My colleague Krista Wessel pointed out to me that on the Oregon repertory singers recording, they made the first American recordings of, of two of your pieces. That's exactly right. Uh, I had many requests to do that, and and I, I simply signified that I wanted the organ repertory singers to do that and to have the American recording, world premiere recordings of that. Uh, the other recording that we're talking about today, the Luke's Etern- or the Light Eternal CD on Deutsche Grammophon, was the world premiere recording. So we have two two premieres coming out on both these albums. That's right. And you, as a composer, having an opportunity to be able to hear how different choral groups interpret your music. That's correct. Yep. I have over 200 recordings out there, so I've had a great opportunity to hear that, as, long as, as well as all of the performances one can find on YouTube. Yes. Now, when there's a piano involved, I've noticed... For the last several recordings that I'm familiar with, including the one with the Los Angeles Master Choral, which is one of your longtime favorite groups, you like yep. to be the pianist and accompanying. I do. I don't play all my works, but I play the, the vast majority of them, and I enjoy that. And, and one of the great pleasures I have is to working with the choirs, working with the conductors, and shaping the performances. And it gives me an opportunity to, to be at the, at the piano. I must say, uh, recently I did a, a concert up in, in, in Portland with the Oregon Repertory Singers, and I did that as well, but your outstanding and well-known acclaimed pianist up there, Naomi uh, La Violette, performed one of my very, very difficult pieces for piano on the Midwinter Songs and Poems by Robert Graves. So you have an absolute jewel in her as an accompanist up there. Your music being recorded by the Chamber Choir of Europe, of course, indicates something we already knew, which is that your music is beloved throughout the world, not just here in the state of Oregon, your, your home state. As you travel around the world, what, what kind of uh, feedback do you get from either listeners or performers about your music? What are maybe some things that stand out? Well, yeah, you're right. I've, I've done many international tours, uh, five times to Europe, last year, several times already this year, just came back from Amsterdam, and I get the same kind of feedback. The people are very touched by, by uh, not only the music on these albums, but the lyrics. Look, I, I have chosen, I read poetry every day. I read to my classes at USC every day. I've taught here for over half a century. It's, I read poetry as a, it's like breathing for me for a whole variety of reasons that we can get into to later. But 
I chose poems, I think, that have that that uh, deal with the human situation in so many ways. The poetry I've set deal with a, with with hope, with uh, dealing with love, either acquired or lost, uh, aspects of nature, things that people can connect to. Certainly, they can connect to the idea of perpetual light shining on people. That's a, the Luxeterna, uh, the half an hour. Uh, work based upon uh, text from the uh, great Latin liturgy, all about illumination of all kinds, spiritual or intellectual or artistic. Uh, the Rose Songs, which by the way, as you well know, were premiered right there in Portland, Oregon by Coral Cross Eyes back in 1993. They had a church in the park blocks there. Rilke in French and roses and all the symbolism that roses ev evoke, all the symbolism about winter and the contrast about winter of um, birth and death and cold and warmth and light and dark. I get a lot of mail every single day about this music from around the world, and people tell me how it has affected their life. And it's a very gratifying thing for me at this point in my life, I just turned 75, to know that this music has connected deeply with people around the world. And probably people who bring something of themselves to the music, maybe based on their backgrounds. They might look at Lux Eterna if they have a Christian background, or maybe uh, something of a more nature-based or worldview. Now, here, here's the main thing on the, on the Lux that I get. Remember, I wrote this piece when my mom, I got the news my mom was dying. So I went to those texts that gave me strength and hope about perpetual life, illumination of all kinds. And I simply want to write a quiet meditation on this particular topic to get me through a very trying situation. And that has, has expanded now to people around the world. I get constant mail in the Luxeterna, and it always is this, from somebody who's going through a very, very rough patch of one kind or the other. And they say that they hang on to this piece of music. One guy wrote that it was the rock in his sea of grief that he goes to every day. He hangs on to it. Morton, you have a number of works that are song cycles, and you carry through sometimes a thematic element of some kind. It might be a, a theme or an idea of perhaps light. The Madrigali have a, have a thing called a fire chord that you touch on throughout the work. Now listen, uh, for your listeners, Ethan Sperry, head of Oregon Repertory Singers, contacted me and said, you know, we're going to do the, the Madrigali. Now the Madrigali, in terms of performance, are the most challenging of all of my eight vocal cycles, multi-movement works centered around one, uh, one theme poetically or textually and also connected musically in a variety of ways. 
And I was, I was quite surprised at that. The Madrigali are very, very demanding. When it was first published, only the very best choirs in the world got on that, and then basically they were chamber choirs. Dale Warland singers, Elmer Eisler up there in Canada, Eric Erickson in Sweden, and others. Very, very challenging. You have a 20-minute work, a cappella, on Renaissance Italian texts with very, very um, complex harmonies, very, very demanding changes of, of tempi, of language, of all kinds of things. Anyway, Ethan contacted me. He says, we're going to do this with the Oregon Repertory Singers, which is over 100 voices, and they are not a professional group. And I was quite amazed at that. I went up there for the performances, and I was absolutely stunned, absolutely stunned for a large choir like that that you have there. It was the finest performance ever, I heard. And so I suggested to their board that they do, they do a recording. Not only my stuff, but other uh, fellow composers up in the Northwest, and they've done that. But they've included the Madrigali live performance on this new CD. It's called Shadows on the Stars, which is a line from my setting of A.G.'s Sure on the Shining Night. It has that. It has a live performance of uh, Sure on the Shining Night, and then it's added these other uh, works of mine as well. But yeah, the fire chord, it's simply a B-flat minor chord with an added ninth, and it means business because this particular cycle of poems is in Italian, but it's on unrequited love, love that didn't work out. And if you study the Renaissance madrigals, there are really two major camps of those. You've got the English who are chasing fair Phyllis all over the hills, and they're going to catch her, and everything's going to be great and fall la and all that. And there are lighter works, for the most part. The Italians, absolutely, the, for the most part, quite different. And all one has to do is to go to the great madrigals of, of the fabulous composer Monteverdi, or Gesualdo, or Marinzio. And these are very, very demanding pieces that have a number of characteristics, a lot of what we call word painting, where the music emulates what the words are, uh, very complex harmonies, very complex rhythms, structural things, uh, non-harmonic tones, etc., etc. And I used those elements in composing the Madrigali, and it was uh, composed back in the mid-'80s, to create this particular cycle. And I wanted to have a certain sound that would become, it was like, I feel like it was a rock thrown into a pond and all of the ripples emanate from that. And I wanted to have a certain sound that had a lot of attention to it. And I called it the fire chord and it starts out this particular set that they, the choir will hammer on that chord for a, a number of measures. that chord permeates the cycle and comes back in a whole variety of forms throughout. So anyway, the Madrigali, you bet. I'm very, very proud of that cycle. It's now 30 years old. And it's, uh, to me, when I hear it, it's as fresh as the day it was written. I want to talk about the two new pieces. And we've been talking about both recordings uh, at this point, the Deutsche Grammophon, Light Eternal, and Shadow on the Stars, which both have the 
Yairas Mia. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And the prayer. I guess what I'm thinking about with with the with the new pieces is, I, I suppose that there are people who are introduced to Morton Lordson's music through um, Diretong or something like that, and they might go, oh, I, oh, I love that, and then they they get into your music a little bit more deeply, and and I think they would probably be surprised. It isn't all the lovely long lines. There, you you are are expressing what's in the text and the meaning of the text as well, of course. Yeah. Well, I would invite all those people um, to go into my music more deeply. You will find it's a wide variety of ranges. Look, uh, Ton is simply, I said it in the style of a French chanson populaire, uh, as a catchy, uh, almost a on, an encore piece. But a lot of my music is very complex. You find, if you want to hear complexity, go to my setting of Lorca, completely atonal, a major uh, work uh, based upon uh, uh, night poems. And it's all in response to the music. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, Yairis, uh, listen to it again, because Yairis uh, Mia is simply a very tender love poem. Prayer, uh, written by my dearest friend Dana Joya, who is now Poet Laureate of the state of, of uh, California and former NEA chair. It's about his son losing their son he and his wife, to their son from SIDS as, at four months old some 30 years ago. And he writes this extraordinary poem about asking nature or God or spirits or whatever out there to watch over his little boy for him. And I wrote that as a companion piece to Sure on the Shining Night. There are versions for mixed duet, solo voice, and, and choral of that piece. I invite you to get into the, to read the poems by Dana Joya. You'll find this particular poem also in his latest volume, which won the Poets Prize, called 99 Poems, G-I-O-I-A. Look him up. You can find him reading it on YouTube. Very, very fine. So I'm so pleased to include these brand new pieces, or recent pieces, on this, uh, both of these particular albums. Yes, and the Chamber Choir of Europe, uh, bef- prior to this recording, had had you performed with them before or, or encountered their performances before the recording? They, uh, it's an extraordinary group with 24 singers from 15 different countries in Europe and they got together for this recording. We all met in a small town in Kufstein, Austria last year to record this. Absolutely first-rate singers, Nicole Mott, an extraordinary conductor, uh, the Italian um, orchestra that joined us on the Lux Eterna, Simply Suburb. It's an outstanding album, Light Eternal, and uh, very, very happy to be part of both these albums. One connected with my hometown of Portland, Oregon, where I grew up, and uh, then the choir in Europe, the chamber choir of Europe. Morton Lordson, uh, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you again and, and feeling that that connection to to you through this music, especially. Um, we, we still call you uh, our our Oregon composer. There you go. I, I am always curious, though, do you still go up to the San Juans or up, up to the, the little island up in, in Washington to compose? I heard you did that. I have three properties in the San Juans, and in six months I'll be moving there permanently. I'm leaving Los Ah, great. So I'll be seeing a lot of you. I send my very best wishes to you and all of my friends, especially in, in Portland, Oregon. Thank you so much. <laughs>